You're about to listen to youth produce content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin City social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. You know, it's uh, important for people to learn and know their history because you learn something about yourself, you learn something about you know your your uh, family, but it helps you to come up with a vision. And everybody needs a vision. You're listening to Youth Soup, the podcast that adds some youth to your soup. My name is uh, Robert Tubles. Uh, I am an enrolled member of the Ogallala Lakota Oyate, otherwise known as the Ogallala Sioux Tribe in uh, western South Dakota on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Awesome. Um, so, Robert Tubles, can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, well, you know, I'm an ordained uh, Episcopal minister. I was ordained at the Episcopal Church back in 2000 in the uh, Diocese of Los Angeles. Um, there I served for about seven years prior to coming here to Minnesota. Um, out in L.A., I was working with the urban native uh, community that resides there. Basically, in Southern California, my job was to uh, do a church plant. Um, I spent that amount of time uh, doing that work. And then uh, coming here to do work with the Ojibwe Dakota peoples as well as uh, um, running a church here in uh, South Minneapolis. Can you tell me why you decided to start running a church in South Minneapolis? Well, it was an already established uh, uh, faith community. It was started probably back in the 70s, 1970s. Uh, it was uh, started out as a house church. Uh, from there, it uh, shared uh, a space with the uh, Roman Catholic Native Church. And then uh, back in the 1980s, they, the uh, Episcopal Church of Minnesota purchased a, a building in South Minneapolis um, where my church, All Saints, Indian mission is. Can you tell me about like like connections to your um like Native American roots along with like now the ministry stuff that you do? Yeah, you know I think most people nowadays would uh, tie the church into the sort of our colonial post-colonial past. You know I get a lot of questions about that. Uh, why do I uh, follow a, an institution that has a, a history of uh, you know, walking hand in hand with the federal government and genocide and all that stuff. And I, for me, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond uh, the institutional church. Uh, really boils down to who was Jesus Christ, and what did what, what did he teach us? And from there, uh, that's uh, what I my work stems from. Really, that and uh, where I come from as an Ogallala Lakota. I was always taught that we had to help our own to, uh, you know, make things better. So that's what I do. So my work really stems from the church as well as from my uh, culture and traditions. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me about your culture and traditions? Yeah. Well, you know, it's like like most. Uh, let's just say most Americans. You know, they go off. Uh, get a job and do their thing and you know uh, that might not necessarily mean working with people it might just mean uh, working for some corporate corporation whatever um, 
earn a living, you know, buy a house, live the American dream, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's not how uh, I was uh, taught. I was taught by my my parents um, as well, and they were taught by their grandparents, so on and so forth. That you know, we help our own, um, and that you know, we we work together to uh, make life better for our people. So we look out, always look out for the other. Always look out for those who are uh, uh, living on the margins. In this case, you know, it's uh, people in the native communities. So uh, that's where I'm coming from. It kind of stems from like when we would used to, when we used to hunt buffalo uh you know everybody gets fed the buffalo provides everything it provides uh, food provides shelter provides livelihood and from that everyone as a community uh gets fed gets uh, sheltered everybody's all right yeah um you gave a very interesting presentation um, at my school and you mentioned that you do some work in terms of providing food to Native communities. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so back in uh, when I interviewed for this position, uh, so I have basically two part-time positions. One is I run this church in South Minneapolis. The other one, I work for the uh, Episcopal Church of Minnesota. But when I interviewed for the, the position at uh, All Saints in South Minneapolis, one of the things that the, uh, the folks around the table uh, wanted to do is start up a soup kitchen. At that point, you know, it was like in 2007, uh, they had renovated their building top to bottom, uh, and then their kitchen was, uh, they renovated it to be commercial grade, and that's something they wanted to do, but they could never really get it off the ground because their priest at the time, her name was uh, uh, Mother Melanie Spears, Dakota, she had to take her early retirement for medical reasons. So I, I, seen her. I seen her vision. Can you tell me a little bit more about that vision and what food justice means to you? So I um, came up with the, the name First Nations Kitchen, and that has more to do with being close to the Canadian border and, and being closer to the First Nations peoples up north in Canada, what they refer to themselves as. It implies, you know, sovereignty. It implies uh, nationhood. Um, and I yeah. just like just had a nice ring to a First Nations kitchen. Yeah. So we went from there to uh, my initial idea was that we would be like your typical soup kitchen, which means it'd be a line, a chow line. People would come through, you serve them, they, you know, sit down and eat. I wanted to make sure we served indigenous organic food, so you know, get away from the, the food of the colonizer. You know, this it serve our ancestral food or ancestral diet. So that's a form of food justice. So to serve that, it's, it's stick to that uh, policy, and we've done that now for the last 15 years. We have, that is our, that is what we do. So there's justice in that. And to be able to provide food that is, uh, you know, it's expensive stuff, you do organic. Yeah. And then uh, of course indigenous, it's just not that expensive, but the other, other, uh, food is quite expensive you know nowadays you know, that kind of food has become more of a ceremonial food it's the only time you see it served is uh, at a gathering memorial a funeral say or uh, something like that uh, but I my whole push is that we should be able to have that 
uh, kind of food weekly, if not daily. You mentioned this before, but how ceremonial food plays a role in your culture and along with, like, religion. You know, I grew up in the, in the church, and so when we'd have uh, uh, wakes and funerals, you know, that would be a time of uh, a big feast. Uh, you know, everybody gets fed, you know, like uh, they used to kill whole cows. Yeah. Uh, and just have this big feed, and everybody would, you know, bring their uh, containers to take food home. So something like that, if it's like a two-, three-day event, uh, People will be fed for the rest of the week, you know. So that's comes from, uh, you know, when when we were still living on the plains and hunting buffalo, you'd have those kind of feasts where everybody gets fed, everybody's you know full, and everybody goes home with something to eat for the rest of the uh, whatever how long it lasts. For ceremonial food, you know, we we do that uh, uh, type of uh, feasting too during any kind of ceremony. Um. Can you tell me what has your religious journey looked like? Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in the church. My dad was a priest, Episcopal priest. You know, some, my parents were quite active. They uh, did their ministry on the reservations and some on the, in the urban setting, but most of what they did was on the reservation. So growing up in that environment, I'm like, it was like most uh, young people when I hit the age of 16, I said I had enough of that stuff and went on my way. Uh, you know, I didn't see it doing anything for me. Uh, it just didn't, it just wasn't grabbing me. Um, so I spent the next number of years, uh, you know, just bouncing around, basically. Um, got caught up in, uh, you know, partying scene and um, get wrapped up in that. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm, you know, just out there on the street and really didn't... Uh, find my spiritual path until I was 23 years of age. That's when I, you know, got clean and sober, you know, and that's when I had my, uh, what they call spiritual awakening. So those next um, number of years I spent, you know, ex exploring that path. You know, what does it mean for me uh, to be uh, religious? What does it mean to be spiritual? Uh, how does one pray? You know, what is this Thing called the gospel who is Jesus you know what is the uh, what does it mean to follow traditional Lakota spirituality I explored all that you know and uh, I just came to the basic conclusion that and it was uh, this this uh, priest I was talking to back when in my, in my early 20s mid 20s when he just says you know you can't have the religion of your parents and you know I asked him about what he mean by that so uh, well, you know, they had, they had, they have their path, just like we all have our own path, and you know, it's uh, you can't do what they've done. You got to find it for yourself. You know, and for me, that was just like a revelation. It was so simple, but it's just a revelation for me. Um, and so I spent that time finding that path. So if I look at, you know, if I look at my path behind me and what I've accomplished, you know, it's. It differs from the way my parents and what they've did and what my dad has done. You know, they did all their work, mostly, uh, mainly on reservations. Or have I done all my work on the urban setting? You know, I've lived the last uh, 37 years in three, um, now four, four urban settings. I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. for 11 years. 
did three years in New York City, you know, six and a half years in Los Angeles, and now here. You know, so it's been around. Yeah. Um, and how do the different cities like Minnesota, Los Angeles, like all of those places, how does um, the religion like look different from place to place to place? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's like what, you know, when, when Jesus, if you look at this story, you know, he was somebody who was always on the go. So he was, he was, uh, I always looked at him as someone who was nomadic and he was indigenous. Yeah. And so he was always on the go, but he was always uh, uh, with those, the people that were on the margin, you know, people on, when we look at people on the margin today, who are they? You know, those, 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 those folks that are uh, living in the encampments or the folks living on the streets or the folks that are on the margin, those are the people who, you know, American society uh, will, uh, never engage with, you know. Um, and that's where Jesus is, you know. And uh, some places I've lived, I've certainly uh, found myself working in those places. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what uh, your, or like what your faith looks like? My faith is, uh, I think it's pretty basic, you know, just uh, follow the way, you know, and ask the God of my understanding to show me the way, you know, and um, each day is uh, a new day, each day is a gift, you know, and when you're in recovery, you know, you really realize that, you know, it's just like every day is a gift, and so I try to live it out fully, you know, the, I could die tomorrow. And it's really true, you know, it's like, um, you know, you, folks, you know, you meet along the way, you know, and then, you know, suddenly they're, they die and they're gone. And it's just like, wow, you know, it's like, uh, it can happen anytime, you know. Yeah. So it's like, keep the faith, keep going forward and do the work, you know. Yeah. Um, do you think, like you would have discovered your religion or like how do you think your life would have looked different if you hadn't found your religious path um i'd probably you know i think about that from time to time i'd probably be dead um what are ways you connect with your religion and your culture in your daily life i mean like you mentioned living like every day is a gift like how do you i mean how do you like get into that mindset really well, i'm just yeah. damn you know it's just uh I don't wake up and thinking, oh my God, I'm not a Lakota. I just am. Yeah. You know, it's like a look at the color of my skin. You know, I, I you know, I, I just am. I've always yeah. been this. You know. Um, and what does the work that I mean? You mentioned like your parents did a lot of work on reservations, and then you do work in urban cities. Like, how do those two things look different? Well, if so, like on the reservations, they worked. Uh, they were on, the, of course, we're, we're from the Pine Reservation, so that's, you know, you're working with your own people, basically. You know, so that that's a huge difference. Meaning, like you're working with your relatives, uh, people you may have grown up with, people you've known most of your life. Uh, versus here, it's like, you know, I'm 
I'm an outsider basically coming here to Minneapolis, you know. I'm not from here. This is not my ancestral land, you know. Uh, but I'm native, so on that level we could come together and meet and we have that understanding. So it's interesting. So when I run into um, guys and gals from uh, Pine Ridge, we have the instant connection or instant bond, you know, we just, because we know people. We know the same people, you know. So we're just a natural sort of um, coming together, you know, uh, just the knowing, right? Whereas, you know, I meet somebody from another uh, tribe, say like Ojibwe, you know, we have to like, you know, find out how we are connected, you know, it might be with the Episcopal Church, we might know somebody who knows somebody and, you know, that kind of deal. It takes a while to sort of make those connections, but usually we can make a connection. You know, I, and I've worked with, you know, the people from, you know, there are hundreds of different tribes now. If I look back on it, you know, whereas if I did just work on the res, it would just be my own people, right, or whatever uh, tribe I'm working in. So my parents spent some time on the Ute Reservation in Utah, the Uinta Uere Reservation. So they got to know of the Utes fairly well. Um, and then as for the work that the um, Episcopal Church does, can you tell me a little bit more about that and the role that you play in that? Yeah, so, you know, my other job is I'm, uh, uh, it's official titles, Missioner for the Department of Indian Work. Um, I didn't choose those titles, but, you know, it's, there it is. Um, so that really consists of uh, helping and supporting our other uh, 11, well, there's 11 faith communities scattered around Minnesota, um, one of which is All Saints. So we have uh, one down in um, uh, Lower Sioux, another one down in Prairie Island, so with the Dakota. And then you go up north so with the Ojibwe, we have two on Red Lake, two on Leech Lake and four on Wider. So my job is to uh, offer support and um, uh, other things is just being an advocate, you know, on this diocesan level and uh, try to, you know, just help, help them figure out ways to uh, further the ministry in their context. Yeah. Um, why do you want to be an advocate for indigenous people? And Christian relations. It's something you know they, the folks in this community, you know, they, you know, in an ideal world, they'd like to have some of their own people be their priests, you know, but we'd call you know a holy person. You know. We, I think every indigenous community has some sort of holy person in their midst, you know, whether you want to call it medicine people or spiritual leaders or whatever you know but there's a place for those individuals in that community you know nowadays you know in, in this society you know we we you know it's sort of it's something that's not accepted or needed or it's called superstition or whatever you know um but you know we're we're indigenous and so we're still connected to our stories yeah. Um, and then, like, as for Christian religion and things like that, like, wh I mean, why have you decided to um, do things with 
Christian religion, like as an indigenous person, I mean, like knowing like the history of the Christian church and things like that. And like, can you tell our listeners a little bit about like the history of that and why I decided to do that? Well, then it goes back to like the, the whole idea of, you know, the, the big question is, is there a God? You know, a lot of people nowadays would say that's no, it's like a superstition. Yeah. And then, of course, if you look at religion, especially now what's happening in the Middle East, you know, the turmoil that's going on, I mean, that's one could say that's connected to religion. Um, certainly where Christianity stems from, definitely. So if we look at that as, you know, it's easy to say, well, geez, why would anybody follow that? Why would anybody believe in something like that? You know, but that's not what the teachings are. We have to get back to those basic, what does the gospel say? You know, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus teach? You know, and, um, what is, uh, you know, what does, what does the Torah say, you know? All that you know so I think when we give get our own uh, ego and everything else connected to it then it just becomes something else you know the church is an institution too so it's run by people and all our craziness you know and so yeah it's, it's you look at the history of it it's pretty messed up and you got to ask well were, were they following the, the teachings of Jesus you know some would argue yeah they were and some while well, they were following their interpretation of it you know and, you know but go back in time you know it's like what we know today you know is definitely is uh different from what the knowledge base of what uh, the europeans had just of you know science you know, but then it, it gets real complicated then when we start looking at that history <clears throat> but what i always go back to then is uh, my uh, indigenous uh, First Nations, Lakota uh, culture, traditions, beliefs, you know. It was my great-grandparents who uh, accepted Christianity, you know, and my great-grandparents lived on the plain. You know, they were, they knew the old life. You know, they understood the old life. They knew the old ways, you know. Um, And for whatever reason, they accepted teachings of Jesus so they were look they were here in the basic story you know what who was Jesus you know they had no problem seeing who he was and what he represented etc cetera, etc cetera. so for me it's getting back to those those uh, the, the, the gospel what's gospel calling me to do yeah yeah um can you tell me a little bit about early missionaries well I mean you gotta try to you know as a, his, somebody who studied history the the, the hard part is placing yourself in that context, in that time period. Yeah. And try to see from their eyes what they were seeing. And, you know, that's hard to do because we have our 21st century mindset and we're trying to, you know, put ourselves back in that period of time. So whatever they were doing, they probably thought that what they were doing was God's work, you know. But the church did go hand in hand with the federal government and their assimilation process too. But then again, you know, I think the church is a real easy scapegoat to focus just on the church as being part of the problem, colonialism and assimilation process, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if we're going to point at anything, you know, yeah, we could point at the church, but we also got to point at 
the uh, the Western European educational system, point at the federal government, things we've got to look at. Just can't just look at one. They're all mixed in. Comp- it's complex. But it's easy to look at the church because of where we're at today with Christianity, whether it's, you know, the far-right conservatives, you know, who get all the airplay and all the attention and, you know, whatever, and they feel like they're being, you know, attacked, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, where's the gospel? Where's, where's Jesus' teachings? You know, that's what we got to look at. If we really look at it, and I think, um, you know, where's the, like, there's all these instances where he's just always railing against the, the, the wealthy, you know. Um, it's not comfortable you really start looking at the gospel and what it's saying um and what can non-native people do to get involved in religion and some of the things that you've talked about today yeah well, i think you know with the with religion and everything else i mean that's definitely a personal journey yeah uh, i could tell people my story and and that might you know they might hear something from it but it really is a personal thing have to go through and you can't do it alone either you have to do this in community you know that means uh you know be a part of a uh, a faith community whether that's uh the, the christian church uh whatever denomination one feels uh, they can be part of in the traditional uh cultural uh native part of it you know it's whatever you know that comes whatever stems from your culture and traditions what whatever that looks like and whatever ceremonies that entails and if one goes down either one of those paths, I think you really got to give your whole self to it. You know, you just can't do it. Like, oh, okay, I'll just show up for a Sunday service every now and again. Uh, well, hey, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. That's good enough. And I think it takes a lot more than that. It takes actually getting out on the street and feeding somebody. It takes going into the prisons and visiting people there. You know, it takes uh, helping people find homes to live in. It's action. It's just not, you know, sitting at home and, oh, yeah, I've been to church, so I'm okay. Yeah. Or I've been to this uh, neepy ceremony and uh, I'm okay. You know, it doesn't work like that. I think it really takes your whole being to be part of that, to really feel yourself being called to, you know, whatever that uh, path is. You know, and it comes down to, like, you know, what most of the great religions say, you know, they just say, love your neighbor. Yeah. You know, that's what it's about, man. What would it really look like if we really did love each other? You know, maybe there wouldn't be racism and prejudices and phobias and wars and things like that, you know. Learn more about Listen Up Youth Radio, including our peer-to-peer educational workshops in media production and social media marketing services at www.listenupyouth.org. Check out past broadcasts of YouthSoup on a live podcast app now available on iOS and coming soon to Android. This activity was made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council. Thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.